pushing through. I am Tate Frazier, and as always, I am joined by the kid, BJ Armstrong. And BJ, we had no NBA trades for nine months. It was all silence. And then yesterday, mayhem, things were happening all over the place. We'll get into all the details, but first, you know, how you doing? Happy Tuesday, NBA drafts tomorrow. What's going on in your world? Well, Tate, I went from silence <laughs> in the bubble. Everything yep. was contained. Yep. To now... This phone here, this phone here, line blowing has, up. It's a, it, it, it's ringing nonstop. It's a twenty, it's a twenty-four hour timeline right now. <laughs> there, there's trades happening at midnight, mm. you know, mm. and um, it's been interesting. We're back, we're back in the headlines. We're back to the narratives. You yes. and I are back talking about rumors, and you're loving it. Look at the smile on your face. You love this. Well, you love the rumors. You love the narratives. You love. The, <laughs> hey, you keep your ear to the street. You're in seventh heaven right now. Look at that. You don't want to talk about basketball. You want to talk about the rumors. I'm you just want to here, talk about the trades. I'm just listening, and I'm hearing, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on, BJ. But like you said, the NBA basketball world... The drama, you know, TNT knows drama. We've already heard that phrase. But the drama happens off the court, it seems like, in the NBA circles these days. It's not about, you know, the 90s we saw. It was Malone and Stockton and the Jazz versus, you know, Scotty and the Bulls and Jordan and all those guys. Nowadays, it's what two guys have become friends in the offseason and now want to play with each other and what trades can be made to make that potentially that. possible. You and Midas are like, Midas is trying to get memes. Look at you guys. You guys are <laughs> in seventh heaven, right? Look at you guys. You're like the NBA. Jay is back. <laughs> this, this is what you need. So here we go. Let's go through it. it, it it's it's, it's well, on you now. Yeah, we'll run, th- we'll run through all the trades that happened. I think the biggest trade, uh, you're a point guard yourself, BJ. You're, you're a point guard connoisseur. You know what goes on at the point guard position. And CP3 is one of the, the, the bright spots for the traditional point guard, the facilitator, the guy that is trying to get everyone involved. He did a great job in OKC this year. A lot of people talked about what he was able to do with that young team. But Chris Paul gets traded the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns, they were the apple of everybody's eyes in the basketball world when they went on their 8-0 bubble Suns run. They now add Chris Paul, an all-star, a point guard that can quote-unquote lead the team. Uh, there's been some conversations, BJ, about who knows, the Suns could be title contenders in the Western Conference. Could you that- say that again? Could you say that again? <laughs> could you say that again? Midas, why he's saying that, could you look up when the last time the Suns have been in the playoffs? You go from not in the playoffs to title contenders. Look at that. Look at that. Okay, go ahead. I'm one listening. trade, one man trade for Chris Paul. That's what the people are saying, BJ. So so one, I just want to get your reaction. Chris Paul to the Suns, what does that look like? Uh, and two, are we overreacting? It does seem like the, the narratives and the media types like myself, we're all overreacting. Acting. We're all saying CP3 is the savior for the Suns, but is it really that simple? I wish it was that simple. Mm. And you're laying an enormous amount of responsibility to a Hall of Fame player. He's a Hall of Fame talent. Yeah. Talking about Chris Paul, make no doubt about it. And he had an incredible season a year ago with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And to many of us who work in the business, We thought that Sam Presti, the general manager, president for the Oklahoma City Thunder, was going to have a very difficult time moving or trading Mm. Chris Paul and give Chris Paul credit because Chris Paul played so well this past year that he played himself into a position to where not there were numerous teams who wanted him and were discussing taking on his contract. Now give Chris Paul credit because Chris Paul did that on the court. Mm. 
his on-court performance. I think this is a terrific trade in many regards for the Phoenix Suns. Why? Because as Midas just put up here on the screen, they haven't been to the playoffs since 09. Mm. That's a long so that's time. A, it's a decade. Yeah. That's a that's that's a that's eleven year window here. And Chris Paul gives them every opportunity to do that because now they have leadership on and off the court. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul will be terrific in that regard. He has proven that time and time again. And he will be a huge asset for their young talent in talking about Devin Booker. Devin Booker now can concentrate and do what Devin Booker has shown. He has a tremendous ability to score that basketball. He doesn't have to worry anymore about facilitating. He doesn't have to worry about what's going on on the defensive end or who's hot. He just has to be Devin Booker because Chris Paul will handle the rest. I think the player that will probably benefit the most from all of this will be DeAndre Ayton Mm. because Chris Paul has shown the ability in the past to really take advantage of vertical basketball by throwing lobs. He's clever screen roll. He can break down the defense. And, you know, he's done that in the past with Tyson Chandler and he's done that with DeAndre Jordan. And I think DeAndre Ayton is every bit the player that those two are. And he should really benefit from playing with Chris Paul. Now, the responsibility of putting on this young man, he's, you know, he's 35 or so, but in basketball terms, he's a, he is an aging player, especially at the point guard position. He's not like 6'6 six, six or 6'7. Six, he's mm-hmm. a smaller guard. So you have to wonder at what point will his speed and quickness become, you know, in the discussion as he has to go out and defend all of those other quick guards. He has to defend Damian Lillard and Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving and Ja Moran and all of these young De'Aaron Fox. I mean, these guys mm-hmm. keep getting younger and younger. And he had a shared responsibility on the defensive end in OKC, which I think he benefited from because he didn't have to guard those other guards for SGA did, yeah, Shea did for mm-hmm. thirty-five plus minutes, which he will have to do there in in Phoenix. Now Phoenix will be improved. I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves saying Phoenix is going to go from not making the playoffs <laughs> with no playoff experience. Their two best players currently now have no playoff experience to saying they are title contenders. But I do like the expectations. I do like the fact that they will be playing meaningful games. They went 8-0 and in the bubble, so give them credit. You know, they haven't, you know, lost a game since, what, March or so? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they've, yeah. they've been undefeated. And now they have a team where we're having a realistic discussion of saying this team should be a playoff team, which Mm -hmm. is great. I think this is terrific. So I love the move. I applaud the move. I think James Jones and company, that was great identifying. I thought it was a tremendous upgrade. And I'm a Ricky Rubio fan, but I think Chris Paul upgrades. But more importantly, he's raised the expectation up there in Phoenix. So Phoenix should be really thrilled about where they're at today but they have to go out there and do it on the court yep so um but i think that's that's realistic for them to be able to get to the playoffs and if they got to the second round i think they should be thrilled Mm -hmm. and um with where they're at and where they're moving and projecting so this is a tremendous uh, opportunity for them
Yeah, and uh, might have just threw this up, but you know, Chris Paul back in the day uh, had Devin Booker come to a CP3 camp, so there's some ties there. there there's a relationship. We saw at the All-Star game those two guys getting together and hanging out with each other. And then I want to go on the flip side of the trade. OKC, they are trying to stack every single pick that they can find uh, for the next 10 years. They have so many draft picks at this point. They also get Kelly Oubre, who's obviously a great 3 and D guy that, that has shown some real signs of being a valuable piece on a team. They get Ricky Rubio, like you said, this deal. They get some young guys, Jalen Luke, who can jump out of the gym. Guys like a 46-inch vertical who's hiding on the bench in Phoenix. They get Ty Jerome, national champion that played at Virginia. So they get some good pieces, but they get a lot of picks. So when you look at the OKC side of things, BJ, what is the the, the long-term play for Sam Presti and this OKC team? I know a lot of people talked about them you know, being a developmental team. They, they develop guys and then they kind of shift them to the next place. Is that who they are as a franchise or, or is there a bigger play here for what they're trying to do in OKC? Well, I was recently speaking with Sam Presti about some other things, and I was joking with him that he is on a mission to get the entire draft in the state of Oklahoma. <laughs> the draft yes. will be held, will be held, ladies and gentlemen, yes. in the state of Oklahoma. And, you know, I have to give Sam credit and from this regard. You know, Sam has made some very difficult trades with some contracts that many of us thought were going to be impossible to move. And here's another mm -hmm. example of patiently waiting to move players when the time or the window becomes available. And he has shown the ability to do that. He moved Paul George. Mm -hmm. He moved Russell Westbrook. Yep. And now he's moving Chris, Chris Paul. Paul. Mm -hmm. And you have to give him credit. And he's gotten back in return draft picks and things that – his franchise are looking forward to move. Now it's not translating to them winning a championship, but in regards, as far as getting value for players who are at an all-star or all-star caliber, give Sam credit. He's found a way to move forward. And certainly with all the draft picks he has, maybe, you know, he'll use them on, you know, people like you and I, maybe he'll draft us now. You know? <laughs> That's <laughs> what they used to got, do back yeah. in the old days in the NBA. I think they, they drafted like Bruce Jenner one year. They used to be like 400 rounds and they would just pick people like the teams would draft ball boys at one point. Yeah. So maybe yeah, we can so, get in that. You know, unlike the rest of us, Sam pretty much for the next 10 years, we know what he's going to be doing. He's going to be scouting. Mm -hmm. He's going to keep the airline. He single-handedly should keep the airline business in business. <laughs> Because all the hubs in this in this Oklahoma City airport will be filled by Sam Presti. He yes. will be going all around the world, you know, scouting players. So, um, you know, give them credit and um, their future. Certainly by having all of these draft picks looks like they have a chance. Yes, <laughs> to, yes. To get the next great player or acquire yeah. the next great player. Like we talked about this off the air, but it does seem that every single NBA team, every single NBA fan, fanatic, whatever you want to call them, they have an interest in the future. They are all about the promise of tomorrow. Uh, I mean, obviously Sam Hinkie was one of the first ones to blatantly put it out to the world by doing the process and say, we are playing for the future. We do not care about now. We care about the assets that we are going to accumulate over the years, the picks we will accumulate, and then we will form a team. Um, so that's interesting to see at OKC. And then another team that's doing something similar 
similar New Orleans, the Pelicans, uh, a team that made a big deal, like you said, similar to the Paul George, Sam Presti deals he's been doing. They traded Anthony Davis to the Lakers. Uh, they get, you know, Lonzo Ball back. They get Brandon Ingram, who ends up turning into an all-star. And they get a bunch of picks, but then they're not done yet, BJ. They make the trade now. Drew Holiday traded the Bucks. They get three first-round picks. Drew Holiday is an upgrade at the point guard position. George Hill, Eric Bledsoe go to the Pelicans. The Bucks make this big, splashy move. They also get Bogdanovich in a trade with the Kings. These are all things that say, hey, we're trying to appease our superstar Giannis Antetokounmpo. There are rumors and signs that he will resign resign uh, with the Supermax you know, in Milwaukee with all these things happening. But the Bucks are making big moves because they're trying to make a championship run. That's what, that's what we should take away from this, right? Well, let's look at this from the Bucks' perspective. Right now, the Bucks have to make a change. Mm-hmm. And they have to figure out a change and and move very quickly because if they don't get the results that they think they should get, there's a chance that Giannis, a very realistic chance that he may move. Mm-hmm. And I think the Bucks are very aware of that. I think that's what allowed them to go out and aggressively try to move and get a Drew Holiday. I mean, they mm-hmm. gave up three first round picks yep. for Drew Holiday. That's a substantial amount of assets that you have within your organization for a player. So they are all in. They've pushed all of their chips to the middle of the table. Now, Drew Holiday, along with Middleton, along with Giannis, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good, you know, big three, whatever you want to call it, yeah, whatever however you want to call it that they have in place. Now, is it enough? That's debatable. But they have really good player, three really good players, an exceptional talent in Giannis. He's without question a superstar. And now they've upgraded, in my opinion, with Drew Holiday because he's not only good on the offensive end, he is arguably one of the best defensive guards in the league with size, I might mm-hmm. add. Mm-hmm. So they should be feeling good about where they're at. Now, there's two glaring things that – that they have or two glaring weaknesses that they have that you saw in this year's playoffs or last year's playoffs, which is the ability for another player to create off of the dribble. I think Drew Holiday will probably, you know, shore that up a little bit. And now with them trading all of the players for Drew Holiday, their depth, mm-hmm. how are they going to build out the rest of their roster? Yep. That's going to be of concern to them because this is one of the teams that have done probably you know, a better job than most of really keeping the minutes to a minimum with their starters. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have to figure out how to get depth on this team because you're going to need depth if you're going to make a deep playoff run and you're going to need quality players. And now how are they going to build it out? Because those three players that we're talking about, they all are on, you know, max contracts Mm -hmm. for more or less. So it's going to, and you're in a small market like Milwaukee. So it's gone. They have some issues that they have to figure out as far as financially, how that's going to work, how they're going to build out the rest of their roster, along with these three players who are all on, you mm-hmm. know, huge contracts there. And what are they willing to do into the luxury tax and to all of those things that they have to figure out financially for this group? So, uh, but I like it basketball wise. I, I think they have some other things they're trying to do. Um, and we'll see how that plays out. On the other side, real quick. Yep. With uh, New Orleans, they're just acquiring talent right now. They've gotten 
really their future short up. They've acquired like four or five or more draft picks that they have for the future. Yep, David have, Griffin. Yep. Yeah, they have young players. Talking about David Griffin, what he's now. They have young players who have shown the ability to play and develop and become mm-hmm. all-stars in this league. Brandon yep. Ingram, Lonzo yep. Ball develop. They have a young player in Zion who we all see when he's healthy that he could be a star player. He's put, certainly when he plays on the court. Yep. So now they really are in a great position, especially in the Western Conference, to make a substantial move or another move that could push them over the top. Whether or not Zion is healthy, Brandon Ingram continues to take the next step, Lonzo Ball takes that step along with all of the other things they have around him. It's a pretty intriguing position for them to be in, taking into consideration that just a year ago or so, they were talking about trading a franchise player and Anthony Davis. So it has all worked out for them. And I think they've come out of this on the other side, feeling pretty good where they're at or what it looks like today. Yeah, it always used to be, it felt like uh, th- this moment of, you know, detrimental dread or, or dread in general when you had a guy like Carmelo Anthony. I remember when he was in Denver and it was, you know, a foregone conclusion that he wanted to go to New York. And there was people that were like, well, he could just wait to the end of the year. But he wanted the trade to be done. Trade happens before the trade deadline. You know, a lot of players are involved in the trade and whatever, whatever it happens. And then the Nuggets ended up figuring themselves out on the other side of that. The Pelicans are doing the same. The Thunder are doing the same. And when you look at contenders in the league, everyone's trying to make those upgrades. Obviously, the younger teams like OKC and New Orleans are trying to get young assets and build uh, and make that future possible. There's a win-now mentality for a few teams. One of those teams is the Los Angeles Lakers. They were interested in Drew Holiday. There's a report there that they wanted to get a point guard. And they decide that, you know, Rondo is probably going to be too expensive for them. So they go out and they make a trade. They trade Danny Green to OKC and they get Dennis Schroeder, who was, you know, the sixth man of the year, uh, you know, in a lot of people's minds last year in OKC. He's, you know, a great spot up three point shooter. He's been able to improve there. So he fits, checks a lot of boxes for the Lakers. So they get Schroeder, they get a point guard in the building. Uh, what does that do for the defending you know, champions, obviously running it back next year? And then they also have the the lingering issue of the fact that Anthony Davis is saying, he said to Chris Haynes, friend of the program here, that he does not have a team right now. So uh, you know, the Lakers are still going to figure that out. We assume that he will re-sign with the Lakers, but they add Schroeder. So so what are the Lakers doing and, and what do you see from them as, the, as they're trying to figure out their roster for next season? Well, you know, the Lakers just won the championship they're coming off of winning the championship there in the bubble which is a tremendous achievement Mm -hmm. and they are already taking the next steps to repeat i respect that i respect the fact that they are not resting they are not saying what we did last year they are already in their main core think about what i'm saying guys with their main core they've already traded away a starter Mm -hmm. in danny green and you know, presumably they're putting him in the starting lineup, talking about Dennis Schroeder, who is a very, very talented player. And the Lakers, you could see with Rondo's contribution, especially in the playoffs this year, he provided them another initiator, ball handler, so that yep. you can allow LeBron James to be the dominant scorer that he needs to be from the wing position. Yep. So I think this is a good move. You know, the, the tell of the tape for me in this trade was – Seems like Rondo is gone. He's moved. He's moved on. He's moved forward. So, I think there's a lot more work to be done with moving their roster around as far as how they're going to replace, you know, the shooting and all of the things that you have to have to play in today's game. But you can see that the Lakers are trying, or at least 
with the moves they're making saying, if we're going to repeat, we're going to have to do X, Y, and Z, which I respect that because what they did last year was last year. So you could tell that these guys are already thinking about how they can repeat and what they're going to need to repeat this year. So um, I expect the season this year to be very competitive because they're, they are talking about the Lakers are already thinking about how they could get back to that podium again, which uh, I love the competitive spirit when I see teams and organizations thinking in that way. All right, quick break to get a word from our sponsor, Nitsa. I know you've heard these before. I'm not going very far. I'm in a rush. It's too uncomfortable. Sometimes I just forget. Don't kid yourself, though. There's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. If you used any of these excuses or any others, you're putting yourself at risk of injury or death. In 2018, nearly 10,000 people were unbuckled when they were killed in crashes. That's 43% of people killed in motor vehicle crashes that were not wearing seatbelts. No matter what kind of vehicle you drive, wearing your seatbelt is the best defense in a crash. Even when you sit in the backseat, you still need to buckle up. That goes for when you ride in taxis and use ride-sharing services too. Cops are on the lookout and writing tickets, so why take the risk? Seatbelts save lives, so do the smart thing and buckle up every trip, day or night. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Yeah, and Wesley Matthews, who was on the Bucks last year, he's another name that's been thrown out that the Lakers are planning to target to try to find, you know, a supplement replacement for Danny Green. And, you know, Dennis Schroeder, since he came into the league, everyone has always called him the German Rondo. So it's, uh, you know, it's very funny that he is now going to replace Rondo with the Lakers. There's some irony there. Uh, the final, you know, basically big conversation that we have in free agency so far, BJ, as far as rumor mills and narratives and, and all the fun conversation that's going around the Houston Rockets. We had Jonathan Fagan on a couple weeks back. We asked him if Houston had a problem. He said that the plan was to run it back again with the Rockets and James Harden and Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook and James Harden seem to have other plans uh, based on the reports that we're getting. Uh, James Harden has mentioned that he wants to go to the Brooklyn Nets, at least through rumored reports. We don't know how true this is. These are all, Again, narratives. Uh, Russell Westbrook, also same thing, does not want to go back to Houston. Two teams that are involved, Russell Westbrook, apparently through reports, the Knicks and the Hornets. Michael Jordan, you know, is obviously has Russell Westbrook as a Jordan athlete. There's a relationship there. So there's some connective tissue that would make some sense with the Charlotte Hornets. As far as Houston and Westbrook is specifically, then we'll go to Harden. We'll start with Westbrook, PJ. What is a fit for Russell Westbrook look like in the NBA if it's not in Houston? Because he says he wants the ball back. He wants to initiate offense. It seems like Charlotte would be a good fit for that, right? Well, that, that's a big question, mm. um, Tate. And I, I, I love Russell Westbrook. I want yep. to start there. I do, what too. Do I we'll, both, we'll both say yeah. that. We, we love yeah, Russell and, Westbrook's game. And I love Russell Westbrook. And why? Because whether you're a Russell, Russell Westbrook fan or not, you have to respect his passion and energy. Mm-hmm that he brings to the game. Make yep. no doubt about it. This young man is a very passionate player. And we so often talk about playing hard and and playing when the game means something. Well, make no doubt about it. And I happen to know Russell personal, you know, it's a personal relationship that I have with him. He truly loves the game of basketball. And I want to start there. Now, mm-hmm. what does that mean with him being traded and where I think the best fit for Russell? You know, Russell, when he came into this league, we didn't know, Tate, whether he was a point guard or a two guard. Mm -hmm. You know, when he was at UCLA, he was a two guard, played alongside Darren Collison. And suddenly when he gets to the NBA, he becomes a point guard or a lead Mm -hmm. guard. Mm -hmm. And with his exceptional athletic ability, he just overwhelms many 
guards, smaller, in particular, smaller. He just overwhelms you. Mm -hmm. And he not only finishes at the rim, he'll finish over the top of you. And I think at some point here, Russell is, I think the best fit for Russell is getting to a place where you understand where he's at physically in his career. Because this isn't like in year five or year six. Russell was in year 12 or 13, somewhere around. He came in the league in 08, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking for him to play alongside another guard who can share some of the ball handling responsibilities so that Russell can be Russell at this stage of his career. You know, you know every night he's going to show up and play. You know mm -hmm. every night he's going to give you 110%. You know every night he's going to defend, rebound, and do all of those things. But now at this stage, how, do you, how can you take some of the responsibility, especially the ball handling responsibility, off of his plate? I don't know where that... You know, I haven't looked at it in detail. And if I had to just look at it off the top when you're talking about, you know, a team, I think Charlotte would be a good fit for him because they have some good young players. Yep. I love the coach over there, uh, Borrego. I think he is terrific. And I think there is a connection that he would have there, especially with the brand Jordan and so forth, where he could kind of settle in and have an appreciation. And I think the most important thing for him is, you know, the Western Conference is tough. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's tough over there. I think him getting to the Eastern Conference, getting a fresh new start, putting the ball back in his hand, playing with younger guys, and allowing him to be Uncle Russ now. Mm -hmm. That's where he's at in his career. He's Uncle Russ now. He's not the young vibrant just energetic guy that you see flying out can he still do that yes but you know what it will be nice for russell now to be uncle russell where you know what he's sharing the responsibility and he's russell when he needs to be russell but he's also that russell that we've come to love and respect and do that and i think putting him with younger players at this stage of his career I would imagine he would probably enjoy that leadership role because mm -hmm. we've all been on the other side of that. When we first come into this league, we were all, you know, myself, you know, we had, uh, you know, Bill Cartwright was on the show, you know, older players make an impact and you never mm -hmm. know who you're making an impact on. And I think that's where Russell is at. So, you know, I think putting Russell in another high intense situation where they're expecting him to win, he's too competitive. He's, mm -hmm. he's not going to defer to anyone. But I think if you put him in a position to say, you know what, this is what we're expecting, and put him around young players like a Charlotte, I think that would be a really good fit for him. And if you look at the Hornets roster, you mentioned you know the young guys. I mean, Devontae Graham was the most improved player, you know, uh, nominee, consideration, whatever you want to say. And he's obviously the point guard. He can take away some of those responsibilities. Terry Rozier moved over to the two for the most part. Russell Westbrook has been there before. He's been that combo guy. Gives him a little bit of a break. And then you mentioned the young guys. You got Miles Bridges. You got P.J. Washington. And you got some expiring contracts in Charlotte. Guys like Cody Zeller that you could trade away and match up salaries. So it would make sense uh, I still have a little bit of hope that maybe Russell goes to New York gets in the garden uh, I feel like if he's an MSG he would he would make some noise uh, just because of the stage yeah I, I think he would I, I mean look as a basketball fan 
I would love to. Can you imagine the energy in the building yes. just with Madison Square Garden and Russell? I mean, <laughs> and thinking about the alone, Nets, the I'm Nets in Brooklyn, shaking, you know, like that's it's, a, yeah, yeah. You got Kyrie, <laughs> you got Russell, you got Kevin Durant, you got yeah. Storyline. You and Midas would be in seventh heaven because you wouldn't watch the game. You would have all of the the rumors and the and, and all of the things. But that is such a competitive environment where. You know, anyone who's played in New York understands what I'm saying. I mean, that's a lot of pressure when you mm. play at Madison Square Garden. There isn't any time to develop. You have to perform every single night. And by the way, you got to win a championship. Yep. So I, I just think for him in his career, I would love to see him where he takes on a leadership capacity because, I mean, you don't just find many players who love the game and prepare for the game. And I mean, he works out harder than any player I've seen any player mm -hmm. in any generation. I mean, he is prepared and I just think it would be fun for him to get a break, get play. a breather. Yeah. Get a, take a deep breath, become a leader, become, you know, that was one of the fun parts of my career is when you, when I became like the uncle, you know, like you see yeah. these 19 the old year olds and you're like yeah. 30 years old and you're just <laughs> laughing, right? They're, they're making fun of you because you got on ice and you're like, you just wait, you just wait, <laughs> you just wait. And I think Russell will enjoy that. I want to see Russell play with a smile on his face. Yeah. Have fun again. And because if he was at Madison Square Garden, you're going to see that scowl. You know, <laughs> he, if he goes someplace else when they expected to win, you're going to see that scowl. Yep. And, you, and, you know, and then people are going to have their, I mean, this guy averaged and did something only what Oscar, Oscar Robertson, Robertson has done. Yeah. I mean, what else can you say? This is a first ballot Hall of Famer here. And I think it's time to say he is a phenomenal player. He's not a good player. He's a phenomenal player. And I think it's time for him to have an opportunity to enjoy this. And yeah. I would love to see him play where he's clearly the leader. He's clearly now put in a responsibility role and become the leader that he is. And I think he would enjoy it. And I know if I was a young player, I can't think of a better person and a, and a better player to follow because his work ethic is impeccable. I mean, he works harder than any player that I've seen. And um, I just think that would be a good fit for him. And I think it's also interesting because, I mean, Jordan has said before, Russell Westbrook's mentality is the only player that reminds him of himself that's in the current NBA. So that'll be a nice, you know, pairing to put them together in one place. And then guys like Miles Bridges, I'm pretty sure he wears zero because Russell Westbrook was his favorite player. So it's kind of, you know, you bring someone in like that that is revered by the younger players and has the respect of the owner of the franchise and has a basketball state in North Carolina that would love Russell's game. It, it, it would be fun, I think. So that, that's a good spot. Let's talk about the other Hall of Famer in Houston that wants to leave, apparently. That's 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 James Harden. Uh, the rumors are they're, are out and about that James Harden uh, is considering wanting to play in Brooklyn. You know, that there's been some, some trades that have put out with Kyrie potentially being in a trade for James Harden. That would be something. You talk about dramatics. Um, but just in general, the James Harden situation, he leaves $50 million on the table. You and I both would probably advise not to ever do that that in your life but you know who, who are we to say um but what's next for James Harden like what does this look like if he's not in Houston and, and where does he fit in if he were to go to somewhere like the Nets well we'll give you a translation here from the headlines he mm -hmm. wants out <laughs> he yeah wants yeah out. <laughs> he wants out okay and and I think he has said it in a very nice way you know when you turn down 50 million dollars mm -hmm. he had an opportunity he had or has an opportunity to be the first 50 million dollar player in the history 
ladies and gentlemen, of the NBA. And when you say no, I think you sent a clear message that I want out. Mm -hmm. So now it's up for the Houston Rockets to figure out what they have to do, what's in their best interest moving forward. I know James Harden, or at least it's been reported that he wants to go to Brooklyn. I understand why he would want to go to Brooklyn and, you know, to create their own big three. But the way that the salary cap is structured, it's going to be very difficult to build a team, you know, with those three guys and really, you know, build it out with the depth that's necessary to make a run. And because a lot of those guys will probably just be minimum players. And mm -hmm. I don't know how many players they are that are quality players because what they're trying to do is win a championship. It's not saying that they're not, you know, good players. It's just building a team where basically you're piecemealing the rest of the team together in a short amount of time. I mean, basically, we're going to be in training camp, whether, you know, we like it or not, mm -hmm. on December 1st, which is right around the corner. So I think it's, it's a very difficult task. I, I understand what James and his team are trying to do, but... You know, um, I'm not sure if you could pull it off in this short amount of time. This is very difficult to do. And I think at some point the Houston Rockets are going to probably have to get back at a minimum mm -hmm. uh, more than what the Brooklyn Nets are able to offer at this particular time. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, one of the trades I saw was Spencer Dinwiddie and Kyrie Irving for James Harden. So that could be. That would be a real shakeup. The The final thing I want to bring up and ask you about, BJ, the team that's in the East, we've seen the Lakers in the West. They've tried to make upgrades after winning a championship. But the team that came in second, the Miami Heat, they've been rather quiet so far. Do we expect to see some moves from the Miami Heat or do we expect them to uh, to basically run it back? I know Gallinari's still out there, a big free agent that could be signed. Avery Bradley's another guy I've seen a lot of teams talking about. They're going to go after an Avery Bradley type you know, to help on the wing and have another ball handler. But is there anyone that you see the Heat maybe trying to to bring into the building to help them out? You know, Pat Riley, he understands star power probably better than anyone. Mm -hmm. And I would not be surprised if suddenly out of nowhere that you Russell Westbrook name comes up. To the heat. To yep. the heat mm -hmm. with Pat Riley. I mean, Pat Riley's, I would love to see that meeting, right? Pat Riley's, <laughs> you know, with his intensity and Russell, Breck, Russell Westbrook's intensity I want to see, and then you put Jimmy Butler in there. I just yep. want to feel how intense that room <laughs> would be with those three. I think Russell Westbrook would be a fit in Miami because of the culture and how mm. they play and what they do. And, and I could see that name popping up in Miami out of nowhere, but uh, they've been unusually quiet. I think more than anything, the Miami Heat are probably targeting next summer, knowing mm -hmm. the potential of what could be Giannis, and how they want to yep. structure themselves financially to be in position because next year's free agency could be really good. Talking about Giannis, if he so desires to become a free agent next year. So they've been a little unusually quiet, which is uh, not, you know, Pat Riley is always in the mix. Mm -hmm. So um, it makes me think that next year they have something up their sleeve that they're really trying to target or what they're trying to do financially with their team and putting themselves in position to really compete because right now they are without question ahead of schedule.
Mm-hmm. The Miami Heat are definitely ahead of schedule. And then tomorrow night we have the NBA draft. So a lot of teams are going to be making moves, shuffling around. We'll learn a lot about what teams are trying to do with the moves that they make. You know, whether it be a, a team like the Warriors at number two trading back or maybe even drafting a name like a James Wiseman and trying to see if they can get a young guy to to come in and make a difference for them. Uh, we'll, we'll keep all of our eyes and ears peeled on all things NBA draft. Free agency obviously starts two days after the draft. So we... Uh, we have a lot, and look, BJ's getting phone calls right now because oh, it never it's, stops. It, it's, it, it never, it never <laughs> stops. Look at that. It never stops. <laughs> you deserve a break, BJ. Uh, we appreciate you listening to Push It Through. We'll be back on Thursday for all the news and notes in the NBA and things that are going on. We'll have a guest there for Thursday. But uh, anything else, BJ, before we get out of here? I got nothing. Now I'm just going to get back on the phone here. I appreciate <laughs> it. You guys enjoy, you get, you're enjoying every bit of it. I can mm. see you got your memes going, you got your storylines <laughs> going, you got your rumors going. You guys are seven, you're glued to your phone. Yes, Twitter, yes. You know, Instagram, <laughs> you know, there are, there are wolves bombs, there's shams, there's everywhere. Yeah, I mean, and, that's, you know, the that's the that's NBA. That's the NBA. That's yeah. the NBA. What is going on next? So you got a lot of trades. So you guys enjoy. Appreciate it. We'll be back on Thursday. Thanks for listening. Thanks.